Well, thank you so much for joining us wherever you're at this morning. And I just want to say a word to some of you who've been um, asking me this question, some of our other staff this question, uh, when are we going to be able to gather at our churches again? don't have the answer for that, but I can promise you if there is anyone that wants to gather, it's me. I, I miss seeing so many of you, and I know other campus pastors and other staff and even uh, leaders on our dream team. We, we miss seeing and get to hang out while we get to do phone calls, Zoom meetings, those kind of things, texts and emails. It's, it's, there's something about that personal touch. And, and so just know we're working as hard as we can behind the scenes to figure out what's going on just like you are. Um, and we're working as well to make sure that, you know, when it's appropriate when the time is right and it's safe for everyone, uh, we can gather again as well. And so just, just so you know, uh, we're working on that and we'll be giving more information in the next week or so um, as we get that information. Also, for those of you who continue to generously give, I just want to say thank you so much for that. Uh, for those of you that are going through tough time, feel, feel, feel no obligation to do that. But because of your generosity, one of the things that we're able to do is we have been able to continue to reach out in our community, support people who are in need, also come alongside of organizations that are trying to make sure that people are getting all their needs met through food and um, other supplies. So thanks for being generous enough that even in this season, we as a church can still be very generous in our community. So I just wanted to say thank you for that as well. Today, well, we are wrapping up this series entitled, He's Still Got the Whole World in His Hands. And as we've said, this series is so important for this reason, because in times of uncertainty, it can feel like that God is not involved, that he's absent, and, and that he's not with us. But you know what? As we talked about in this conversation two weeks ago, oftentimes what God does is he does his best work in the biggest messes and in the brokenness and those seasons of difficulty in our lives, which is why if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can always have hope. Because no matter what we face, we can be confident that God can change our circumstances because he has the power to do so. And you can have faith that he'll bring good from it if you trust him. You can have faith that he'll walk with you through it. You can have faith that he'll give you the strength to endure it. Because see, here's the thing. God has promised through his word that he will. But here's the thing. God wants to do so much more than for us to just have faith. He wants us also to obey him. And I'm going to tell you, there's a really important reason why obedience is so important, especially in this season. But before we tell you why obedience is so important, let me tell you the difference between faith and obedience. See, faith is the confidence that God is able in fact, that was the case of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we looked at two weeks ago. See, when I believe that God has the power to do anything, I have faith even though my situation may seem hopeless because I know God has the power and the ability to change this situation. That's faith. Now, some of you who grew up in church, you might be even saying to yourself, well, I thought faith was enough. I thought faith is all we need and that God does the rest. And in a sense, that's true. Faith, which is our confidence in God, it really does put us in a position to receive God's love and peace and his presence in our lives. But obedience takes it a step farther. Obedience is the way I live out my faith. Don't miss this. 
Faith in God, that's step one. But if you just stop at having faith, you'll miss out on what God wants to do to make your life better, more abundant, more fulfilling, and even more enriching to other people. So if you want to have big faith for the future, what we're going to discover today is you start today with practicing obedience. In fact, James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he, he grew up with Jesus, he, he listened to Jesus, he, he watched what Jesus did. He said this to some Christians of his day. He said, are there still some among you who hold that only believing in God is enough? The de demons believe this too. Faith that does not result in good deeds is not real faith. In fact, some of you, as you're hearing this this morning, you might even be thinking, well, this was the reason I walked away from church early on in my life because you saw many people who said that they had faith in God, but then they didn't do what God says or they didn't obey his commands or they didn't love like God commanded them to love. See, don't miss this. Faith is step one. But as James says, faith without obedience, it is incomplete. And James, basically he writes this, he says, listen, if you don't obey God, what it really does, it demonstrates that you don't really trust him. Now, here's where this gets really challenging for us. Because see, it's easy to obey God when everything is going well. Like when the sun is shining and I have a good job, there's money in the bank and there's solid friendships and everyone in our family is healthy. But it's another thing to obey God when we're feeling anxious and afraid and worried and stressed. In fact, in times of uncertainty, it's a lot easier for us to compromise and to give in to tension or temptation to make excuses for why we don't obey. And then we think things like this. Well, God understands my circumstances and, and he'll forgive if I do things different this one time. And, and when my circumstances or situation change, then I'll go back to obeying God. And the reality is, yes, God is understanding and yes, God does forgive us. But by choosing to obey God or not obey God, what happens is you miss out on everything that God wants to do for you, in you, and through you because of your lack of obedience. And here's why. Because it's just like a child. When your child is obeying you, they want to be in your presence. When they're not obeying you, they don't want to be in your presence. And the same thing is true for us. When we are obedient and we have a good thing in our relationship with God because of our obedience, we feel good about that, then we want to be in his presence. When we're not obeying, guess what we want to do? We want to push away from his presence. In fact, one of the things I've discovered is one of the most challenged seasons of life or in the most challenging seasons of life, I should say it this way, it's more important to demonstrate your faith in God by obeying, which is what James says, hey, here, here's what we are to do. See, obedience in times of trouble, it is not easy, but it is so important. And we're going to discover why. And here's how we're going to do it. Scripture is full of stories of men and women throughout history who experienced circumstances that created anxiety, fear, worry, and stress. And what they came to discover was it was so worth it to obey God, even 
when it, may, it might would have seemed easier to just, or even maybe more logical, maybe safer not to obey. And so by looking at their stories, I hope that what we can do today is inspire you to obey during this coronavirus pandemic and then whatever happens next and help you understand how important obedience is. Now, to see how faith is lived out through obedience, as James talks about, we're going to look at a story, again, from the life of Daniel. This story takes place in Daniel chapter 6, and Daniel in chapter 6 is no longer 15. When we were introduced to Daniel in Daniel chapter 1 some weeks ago, he was about 15 or 16 years old. He's now in Daniel chapter 6 somewhere between 80 and 85 years old. And I don't want you to miss this about Daniel's life. In every season of his life, there has been some kind of life-threatening uncertainty in his life. See, Daniel served as chief advisor under Nebuchadnezzar, and then he served under Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, until Belshazzar made a series of foolish mistakes, and that allowed the kingdom to be conquered by the Medo-Persian army. And at that point, a man by the name of Darius claimed the throne. And Darius, seeing the wisdom and the leadership potential of Daniel, he kept him as one of his top advisors. Now, here's the thing we might think. We might think that at age 80, 81, 82, 83, somewhere in there, after having survived the Babylonians, after having been in a position of power in several different kingdoms, that life might finally be certain and maybe even a little bit smooth for Daniel. But here's the reality. Daniel's about to face one of the most unexpected challenges that would test his faith in his whole life. In fact, the story picks up in Daniel chapter 6, and this happens right after Darius has taken power. Notice what it says. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 governors to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over the 120 governors, one of whom was Daniel. So Daniel's like one of the top three guys. The governors were made accountable to these administrators so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the governors by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, this is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Here's Daniel in his 80s with such an incredible track record. He's still leading with such exceptional skill that when this new king takes over, the king chooses not only to keep him, but to promote him to like the second guy in command in the kingdom. Now, that's got to be pretty good news for Daniel. But here's what you got to understand. Politics then was even worse than politics today, if you can imagine that. So while this promotion is like really good news for Daniel, it doesn't make everybody else happy. Because see, in that political climate, and if you could imagine a culture that was like this, that politicians in that culture, they would do anything, they would go to any extreme necessary to take their opponent out. Can't imagine living in that kind of culture. Can you notice what happens next in verse 4? At this, the administrators and the governors tried to figure out grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of governmental affairs. But they were unable to do 
so they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Now, this is absolutely incredible when you think about this. Can you imagine maintaining this kind of character and integrity through all the uncertainty, through all the danger, through all the different political climates that Daniel had experienced in his life? And when you really stop and you think about this, this is the kind of person that we all want to be. This is the kind of leaders that we all want to be. I mean, this guy, Daniel, he, he goes through 65 years of public service and they can't find any indiscretions to use against him. I mean, there were no shortcuts that he's taken. There are no bribes. There were no payoffs to protect himself. There's no backroom politics that have gone on with contractors or government officials. Like they can't find any instance of government funds for personal use. Like there's no sexual scandals, there's no entitlement or perks, just a clean, clean record. No corruption. Think about that. In spite of his life being threatened repeatedly, in spite of the fact that he has served in a foreign land, in a foreign land, in spite of the fact that his bosses weren't just bad, some of them were like psychotic Daniel maintained impeccable character, impeccable integrity through all of it while doing his job with extraordinary, don't miss this, extraordinary skill and competency. Now, here's the thing. We, we all want to have this kind of character and competency, don't we? But I'm going to tell you, uncertainty, what it always does is it tests our character. See, whenever life becomes uncertain, what happens is this. We are first tempted to compromise our integrity. And then secondly, we are always tempted to give less than our best with our skills. Don't miss that. When life becomes uncertain, we're always tempted to compromise our integrity. And second of all, we're always tempted to give less than our best with our skills. And some of you... You're facing that very temptation right now. You are ready to compromise your integrity. You're ready to compromise your character just to relieve some of the pressure from this situation that we're all facing. And then some of you, you it's, it's why you have said, okay, I'm not going to give as much of my skills. It's why you've decided it's okay to give less than your best at your job. It's why some of you decided it's, it's okay to give less than your best at your, in your schoolwork. It's why some of you decided it's okay to give less than your best at home because of what's all happening around. It's like, I just need some relax. I don't need to give my best. It's why some of you have justified that it's okay to give less than your best while you're working from home. And I just want to say to you, don't do it. Don't compromise your character and your competency. Because here's what will happen. You'll look back one day and you'll regret it. See, listen, nobody regrets taking the high road of integrity. Nobody regrets going the second mile. And I, and I know this because we're all facing the same thing. I know it's hard now because of all this uncertainty and there's all kind of emotional pressures and, and anxiety issues that come upon us. And it's so easy to want to compromise right now. 
But I'm going to tell you, don't do it. Because it will pay off in the end if you keep your integrity. It's paying off for Daniel here in his 80s. Now, these guys, they can't find anything um, to accuse him with. So they try a different approach. Notice what happens. Finally, they've exhausted all other options. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Literally, the only way to get him in trouble with the king is to come up with something that conflicts with the desires of Darius and the desires of Daniel in his relationship with God. And they know that if they do this, that Daniel, if they can come up with something, that Daniel will pick his God over the king every time. So they come up with this plan. And this plan, they, they come up with a plan that appeals to the king's ego. And really what it does is sets the, it sets the king up and it sets Daniel up. So they suggest to King Darius that for the next 30 days that it's illegal for anyone in the kingdom to pray to any god beside the king himself. Besides, I mean, he's just come into power and everybody needs to show all their allegiance to this new leader. And so they suggest that if anybody violates this command, that the punishment should be death in the lion's den. So Darius, he makes it a law. And in the Medo-Persian Empire, when a law was written, it could not be changed. So once that was put in place, guess what these guys do? They head straight to Daniel's house. They settle in across the street. They get their cameras out and their recorders out. And they, and they wait for Daniel to do what they know he's always done. Notice what happens. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened toward Jerusalem. And then you know what he did? He ranted on Facebook about how churches are being persecuted for not being able to meet. And he said, if you love Jesus, you're going to share this and you're going to like this. And then he organized a protest at the palace and he circulated petitions. Nope, he didn't do any of that. Notice what he did. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And this last phrase is such a key phrase, just as he had done before, which is why he did not hide, nor did he hesitate when he heard about the law. No, he went home and he did what he did every day. He opened the window and he knelt before it and he prayed. See, Daniel did not use the uncertainty as an excuse to stop praying. See, he didn't use his past faithfulness to God as an excuse not to keep being faithful today. I mean, think about it. He's 80 years old. He could have easily said, this time I'm going to skip obedience. I'll get a pass this time. He says, you know, he could have easily said, it's not worth it with my age. God will understand. No, no, no. Daniel, he prayed and he obeyed. Now, here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're listening today, 
you don't get a pass on these next two things. If you're not a follower, you, you could pass on these things. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, this is so important for us to recognize. First of all, is that uncertainty is no excuse for disobedience. Like we cannot use our uncertain circumstances to justify ignoring or disregarding what God has said to do. See, if your faith can't withstand fear or isn't willing to pay the price, then according to James, we don't have much faith. So uncertainty is no excuse for disobedience. And here's the second thing. Past faithfulness is no substitute for present obedience. Listen, Daniel's in his early 80s. He's been faithful and obedient to God for the last 65 years or more. And he could have very well convinced himself that this time it's just not worth the battle. This time I'm just going to go along with the king. I mean, at this age, he could have said, you know, I just don't want to have to deal with this. But Daniel knew you can't live off of old faith. You can't say, hey, I've paid my dues and, and I made sacrifices yes, yesterday and I obeyed yesterday and somehow that releases you from obeying today. No, your faith tomorrow will be only as strong as your obedience today. In fact, you might want to write that down. Your faith tomorrow will only be as strong as your obedience today. Matter of fact, Daniel's about to teach us that our past faithfulness can actually actually give us confidence for today's obedience, but it's never a substitute for it. And Daniel is going to need a lot of faith because the men, after they see him pray, they run by, right back to King Darius in the report. Hey, Daniel prayed to his, his God. And so here's what happens. Verse 14, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and they said to him, remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. I want you to think about this. This guy, this king who had a big enough ego to ask everyone to pray to him suddenly is reminded that there is one that is much greater than him. It's the God who is, or it's the God who he has watched Daniel faithfully and continually serve. And Daniel, in his early 80s, because of his faithfulness and obedience to God, he's thrown into a den of hungry lions. And here's what happens. That night, the king, he, he couldn't sleep because as we just read, he realized that he's been tricked into killing his greatest leader. But here's what happens next, verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you have served continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. 
they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And he displayed his trust by his obedience to God. Now, let me just tie this all together. See, Daniel was not certain God would deliver him, but he was confident that God could. He had faith that God was able, and because of his faith in God, he was determined to obey God no matter what happened. And and isn't that the kind of faith that all of us want and all of us need whenever life throws uncertainty at us? But here's the thing, don't miss this. That kind of obedient faith, it doesn't come from a quick prayer. No, no, no. Confidence comes from obedience. Don't, don't, Don't miss this. Confidence, it comes from obedience. And remember, it's not just one-time obedience. It's continual obedience. The reason that Daniel had such confidence is because of 65 years, even Darius says, of continually serving your God. See, confidence comes from knowing I'm not perfect, but my heart is pointed toward God and my desire is to follow him and obey him. And through past obedience, I have learned some things. I've learned that God can be trusted. I've learned that he is good. I learned that he loves and he cares about me. I learned that he's not absent. I've learned that he is there. He's there with me. And I've learned that even when life is uncertain, God is not. He's still got the whole world in his hands. I think Daniel, if he could speak to us today, he would say this and remind us, going, for 65 years, that's what I've learned. So let me ask you this question. And this is a question that we hope you'll ask yourself every day that we're in this season and even after the season. And this is the question, where do I need to obey today? Like, where do I need to obey today? Like, where do you need to demonstrate your belief in God, your trust in God by putting your faith into practice? And let me just go ahead and say, I mean, this season, man, it has tested my faith in God's provision as much as any season I've ever been through, as I'm sure for many of you. I've had to ask myself so many times, do I really trust God or not? And there have been so many decisions over the past few weeks where I had to ask myself, like, do you really trust God no matter what? And then remind myself, the proof of my faith is in my obedience. Now, for some of you, maybe the proof of your faith is in in obedience in a a different area of just instead of trusting God for certain different things, maybe, maybe for you, this uncertainty, it has brought to the surface some serious relational issues. And for you, your act of obedience is to forgive or to seek forgiveness. You need to reconcile some relationships. That would be living out your faith. For, for others of you, you really need to be honest about yourself and maybe some other people about your addiction or your anger. You need to tackle in this season 
Because what this season has done, it's escalated your anger and, and there's some abusive stuff starting to happen in your home or it's escalated your addiction and there's some abusive stuff starting to happen in your life. For you, being honest with yourself and others to deal with this during this season, that would be your act of obedience. For others of you, God is calling you back to him. This, this whole thing has jarred you. And you understand that the only place of certainty is in the God who's eternal. And you know that God is calling you back and saying, I, I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me. And if you'll follow me, you'll have a solid foundation. So maybe for you, your act of obedience today is to say, Jesus, I, I surrender my life to you and I choose to follow you. Maybe for you, then your next step would be to get in God's word and, and begin to pray. For, for others of you, maybe where you need to obey is you need to obey what your local or your state or your national leaders are asking us to do in this season, even if you don't agree or if, even if you don't like it. Because Apostle Paul is very clear, Romans 13, the Apostle Peter is very clear in 1 Peter chapter 2, that respect for human authority is respect for God's authority. And the reality is, if you read and study the life of Daniel, you understand that Daniel obeyed wicked and insane kings as long as obedience to them did not mean disobedience to God. So, so maybe that's where you need to obey. Listen, if you want to have big faith, the kind of faith that Daniel had for his whole life, if you want God to deliver you in his time and in his way, you need to ask yourself, where do I need to obey today? You got to remember, confidence, it comes from continual obedience. So, so to have the confidence, the faith that you're going to need for tomorrow, you, you build it just like Daniel did by praying and obeying every day. And listen, if there's anything that we want for you in this season of uncertainty, we want you to experience big faith. We want you to have it because in this season of uncertainty or this great uncertainty, we want you all to experience what it's like to see your little bitty faith intersect with God's great big faithfulness and experience God become really close, personal, and real to you. And that's more security than you can ever imagine. We want that for you. But I'm telling you, it only comes when you take the step to obey. So when life is uncertain, what do you do to build a foundation of certainty in that you can trust God no matter what? You do what Daniel did. You pray and you obey. And you trust God because he's still got the whole world in his hands. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for your incredible examples throughout scripture of, of how we can face the uncertainty of our lives. And Daniel, such a great example from the time we met him in chapter one to now in chapter six when he's in his 80s. God, I, I pray that this whole season will drive us to be men and women and students who are daily in prayer, that we're uniting in prayer, 
and we're coming against, God, the darkness, the fear, this pandemic, that we're, we're constantly in prayer, that we're coming against the anxiety, the worry, all of those things that would distract us from you. And God, we thank you that we can ask anything in Jesus' name and you hear us. And God, I just ask that you continue to help us to be men and women and students of prayer. But then God, I pray that you help us to live out our faith through obedience because we understand that confidence comes through obedience, continual obedience. And God, today you spoke in each of our hearts as we've asked ourselves that question. Where do I need to obey today? And I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll give us the strength and the courage to look in the mirror and say, here's where you need to obey and then help us to do it. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Hey, thanks again so much for joining us. If there's any way that we can help you, please contact our offices. We'll be glad to reach out to you. Or if you know someone who needs some help, we'd love to help them as well. And by the way, don't forget, uh, we have a week, uh, service as well on, at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. We'll see you then. Have a great day.